Talk. Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, and remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. I got to tell you something, people. I went to the gym the other day, and there's these young guys who work behind the counter. They're like college guys. They're probably 21 or 22, and they're talking about a TV show. And I go, what show are you talking about? And they said, The Sopranos. We love it. And so Ray Abruzzo has been on my show twice. I pulled out a picture of Ray, and they're like, oh, we love Little Carmine. And then I told him, I said, Big Pussy's going to be on my show this week. And they went nuts. And so just so you know, and I said, it's great. And that's who's on my show today. He's got a lot of stuff going on. The conversations with the Sopranos, his band. He, he, this guy's busy all the time. He works all the time. And my guest is Vincent Pastore. How you doing, Vincent? Uh, uh, good afternoon, good evening, uh, whenever it is out in your land in New Jersey. Uh, I'm really honored to be on your show, uh, Stephen. I'm glad to have you on. I want to start off with yeah. April 1st. Providence in conversation with Sopranos. Tell me about tell me about how this show started. Now I know my friend Joey Cola opens up for you guys. Tell me tell me about the show. So you good friends with Joey? He's done my show before. He's a good guy. He's well, funny. Without Joey, there would really be no comedy at the conversations with the Sopranos. We started this show myself. Stephen Schripper, Michael Imperioli. We started it in uh, down Atlantic City, and then we took it to. Australia. We did seven major cities, and then we came back, and then we did more uh, uh, dates and shows around the states. We just did Boston. We're going to head to Providence on uh, April Fool's, April first. We'll be there. It's a it's a show. It's almost like listening um, to Stephen and Michael's podcast, but we're right there, you know. So people ask us questions and everything. But Joey, what Joey does, he guides us through these 15 questions that we do every show. But for some reasons, the answers come out a little different every show. Because, you know, we like to improvise and, and break each other's chops, you know. And I like to break Joey's chops. Now, how did you come up with the questions? Who, who crafted these questions? You have 15 questions. Stephen, uh, Stephen and Michael, you know, uh, they took a lot of the questions from... They're podcasting, you know, um, and they kind of figured out what what people were more curious to find out, like your audition. That's how we open it up. Tell us about your audition. So Michael tells us about his. Stephen tells us about his, and I tell him about mine. Well, tell, tell me about your audition, in case people don't get to see the show. No, you got to pay to come see the show. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, my audition stemmed off from the fact that uh, Gotti, what I'm Asante on HBO was a huge hit for HBO. So Georgiana Walken, when she was casting Sopranos, right away she brought in, you know, the usual suspects, me, Frank Vincent, Tony Sirico, Dominic Cianese, Frankie Pellegrino, and we all wind up getting parts on, on the Sopranos because of Georgiana Walken. Now, you started acting late in your life. Tell me about your early years. What what went what went on? I know you said you worked at clubs. I know the you met the Dylan brothers and they got you into acting, but Well I was um I was a club owner. Uh when I came out of the service uh I was on the GI Bill, I was tending bar, then I got more interested in the bar restaurant business than than my education. So I kinda like uh I didn't finish my third year in college, uh which was crazy. And I went into the nightclub business for twenty years. And and in in that process, you meet a lot of people, and I met a lot of people, and they kind of influenced me to get more serious about my acting because I was doing community theater at the time, you know, a couple of musical comedies once a year. 
but um, Maddie and Kevin uh, gave me the push. And then the rest was up to me. I mean, they set up my first interview, but uh, I was talking to a friend of mine today on the phone about how I'm driving into the city on Metro North. And uh, and Maddie was on the train because he was coming down from a Marinick and he said, where are you going? And I said, I'm going on an audition for Bugsy. And he said, that's Warren Beatty's movie. I didn't get it. They gave the role to Bill Graham, the role of Lucky Luciano. But the fact that um, we were going along the same path, and then I wind up doing a movie with Maddie, uh, uh, you know, called Deuces Wild. And um, I just was in uh, Saudi Arabia with Kevin, Dylan. Uh, who loves to talk about how he discovered me. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I discovered Vinny. I said, okay. What What got you interested in community theater, though, when you got out? I mean, was, did you, oh, when you were a kid, uh, did you want to act or what? No, you know, you grow up, and as much as, uh, you know, uh, you, 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 you don't want to deny it. You don't go up to your guys that are hanging out in the corner and said, I was just watching Brick of Doom. You know, you don't say that, you know. You don't say, hey, my favorite uh, all-time musical is Guys and Dolls. You don't tell the guys that. But then what happens when you see, like my friend brought me to um, a community theater. He said, come on, they're going to do Fiddle on the Rainbow. I said, I don't know about it. And I, actually, I never forget because my ex-wife, she encouraged me go and I wound up getting a part and that that was 1972 you know I was doing uh, community theater with this guy Johnny Roast Beef he was in Goodfellas Johnny Williams he was in State of Greece a lot of us came out of community theater and your dream when you're doing community theater is to make it to Broadway you're not thinking of film so when I wound up doing Chicago or Bullets Over Broadway then I said okay I made it you know I made it as someone who was doing community theater, I made it to Broadway. I want to talk more about your acting career, but I want to find out about the Gangster Squad. I saw you have some shows coming up, and you have your birthday yeah, show. Yeah, Now, is, is, so you're a musician also? What, what is the Gangster no, Squad? what happened with, with, with the club days, I had live music. I had live music seven nights a week, was which, which was unheard of um, back then in Westchester, you know? And, um... Uh, and a lot of the guys that played there, Al Orlo, Eddie Denise, all these guys, they still contact with me. So we started doing, first we were running around with a group called the Crazy Horse All-Stars. But then uh, when I was doing Bullets, uh, I was down in the pit one day and I was running a few songs. Because I sang in Bullets over Broadway. I was running a few of my songs with the band. The band was down in the pit. And Nicky Cordero said, uh, you should start a group. And I said, I got a group, uh, Crazy Old Soul Stars. He says, no, call it the Gangsters. And then I says, yeah, like the movie with Sean Penn, the Gangster Squad, and that's where we got it. And I hope Sean don't sue me. Yeah. <laughs> so so the clubs, then you start doing community theater. Now, when do you start getting your first roles in Hollywood? When did that happen? Hollywood, Hollywood didn't really start until after I got killed off to The Sopranos. Well, I mean, I mean, in Hollywood, as Hollywood, I say in general. Yeah, I didn't but I didn't, Stephen. I, you know, my first trip out to L.A. was after uh, I got whacked on The Sopranos. I was going out there to do Deuces Wild, and I was I was fifty two years old, so I'd never been to Hollywood before that. You had never been to L.A. You never. No, I, I, you know, I was Florida a lot, but when I got to L.A., 
uh, my dear friend Richie Palmer, who was in the club business with me, wind up being a very successful pizza owner uh, in L.A. Uh, called Mulberry Street Pizza. And uh, Richie had this, uh, you know, like this group of people coming into his pizza joint. Chuck, Chuck Zito, Maddie, um, uh, Andrew Dice Clay. And across the street uh, from Richie's Pizza Joint is a place called Cafe Roma, where Schwarzenegger and, and uh, Stallone and Mickey Rourke would hang out. So when I start going to L.A., right away, I'd go to hang out with Richie. Richie was my boy, you know. And Richie introduced me to a lot of L.A. people. And, and now I go out, you know, I, I have a manager out there. And uh, I, go, I go back and forth. And uh, I love L.A. I, I've been to Mulberry, Mulberry Street Pizza growing up. Oh, you know, you have? Well, I grew up, I lived in L.A. For, I lived in L.A. for 18 years. And growing up in near Philadelphia, you couldn't find good pizza. And we're like, what the hell? So finally someone says, oh, because I lived in Burbank. They said, you got to drive over to Mulberry Pizza. And I'm like, oh, it was great. And they used to say this other place, Casa Bianca in, in Eagle Rock. And it was okay. But the Mulberry Street was actually legit. And you're like, holy crap. You take your friends from California and go, this is what pizza tastes like. Not this shit, this wood-fired California sand yeah, it's stuff. Something to do with the, Steven, it's got something to do with the water. Richie says he ships the water in from New York. I don't know. I don't believe <laughs> So, so how did you start getting parts in New York? You know, you sit there, you, you, you're you're getting into acting. It's it's not an easy life. What, what do, where do you go? Do you do you get an agent right away, or what happens? No, it's uh, that's one of the hardest things in the world. Because I teach now down at uh, HB Studios, where I originally started studying, and everybody said I need an agent, I need a manager. I said the only way you're going to get an agent or a manager if you go do something good, they see you in it. They said what? I said you got to go do an independent film. You got to get on the stage. You got to do something good. And you got to invite people, and they see you, and that's how you get signed up. And that's what happened to me. I was working with Ted Demi, who uh, came out, went on from doing MTV Live to uh, Dennis Leary special and his first movie. And we did a short film called The Bet. Me, Teddy, uh, Tony Lip, and and Teddy said I'm doing my full first full feature, and it was a black hip hop uh, comedy called Who's the Man. And he put me and uh, uh, Teddy in a scene with Colin Quinn and uh, Dre and Lover. And um, I, Teddy pushed me, you know. It's like, you know, you're kind of lazy at the beginning and say, okay, I'll do some extra work. In it. But Teddy pushed me to do uh, speaking roles. What was your reaction for your first speaking role? I was, I was, my background is stand-up. And I remember I was doing a short in L.A., and I have never really spoke in front of a camera. And is it one line? Yeah. And I froze. Yeah. I, I mean, filming is so different than theater because theater, you have your mark, you have yeah, this. The, the camera, the camera's right down your face. You know, you got to come up with a fourth wall real quick because that camera's in your face. You can't feel that camera in your face. And at the beginning, I was very conscious of the camera and what I was doing. I was conscious of if I moved my hand. You know, uh, but that was 1989. And this is what I tell. I got like, for instance, I'm directing a play right now uh, with Maureen Van Zandt and Bobby Fernaro from The Sopranos. And one of my actors, and I love him so much, he's stiff on stage. And it's because he's, he's a weightlifter. And I said, you got to loosen up. He says, I said, stretch, do some yoga. Do it. You got to loosen up. I says, uh, I said, you got to do like Jimmy Cagney. Jimmy Cagney was a tough guy, but he could dance. You know, you got to loosen up. And he's a, this guy, uh, and he's listening. Last night he was much, much better because you get you get tense. People get tense when they do an interview. 
Tell me about the play. Well, Maureen and I have, uh, we're visiting Maureen Van Zandt. Uh, she was Gabriella on uh, Soprano, Little Steven's wife. We are revisiting a play that she was in uh, years ago by Louis LaRousseau. It's uh, a prequel to Lampost Reunion by Louis. It's called Marlon Brando Sat Right Here. And uh, originally, Paul Savino did the lead. And um, we're revisiting the play. So we're taking it to different venues, the Cutting Room in New York, uh, Wonder Bar, uh, Open Jar Studios. And we're hoping that we can get a, uh, an unlimited run with this because it, it's definitely an off-Broadway show. And it's a big cast. So when you have a big cast, you know, angels, the promoters should know we're going to sell tickets because you get a big cast. So the whole the key is, though, who do you put in the cast? You're not going to get Joe Pesci, but, you know, you got to get people that are going to bring some tickets. The same thing with a band. You know, I mean, how many times do I go up to my guitar player and say, did you bring anybody tonight? You know? Well, is that my job? Yeah. You got to, yeah. <laughs> now, now how, how do you enjoy directing? I mean, because, you know, I think sometimes it's it, easy. It's, it's um, Stephen, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a good process for me to be directing my theater room and to be teaching because I've been getting offered some film and I say, I ain't ready yet for a film. And I think the first film I'm going to direct is my own story. I wrote a story about my days at the Crazy Horse. I call it Wild Children. I put the play up three times. Now it's ready to be, you know, to do back as readings and maybe get a nice indie done. So I think that's going to be my first directing job as a, as a filmmaker. Now tell me your path to The Sopranos. How the Sopranos, I mean, you said the Gotti, but before that, what kind of parts are you getting? I know it's funny when you look at IMDb, it says for Goodfellas, you're the guy pushing yeah, the... Yeah, you know, uh, the gangster roles. I was talking to somebody about that today, one of my one of my students. I was told that. I was told at the beginning of my, my uh, in the 90s when I broke in, and I started getting work on State of Grace and uh, uh, The Godfather 3 and Men of Respect. And all, all these wise guy uh, movies, America's Most Wanted. Uh, uh, Adam Bernstein was giving me a lot of work on that. And 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 um, one day I said to my teacher, "How do I break out of this?" And he says, "You, you can break out of it in class. You can break out of it when you do theater, but uh, Hollywood's typecasting you, you. That's it." I said, "Well," and I remember why I said it. I said, "Well, John Wayne made a living out of it." Now you're getting typecast. Now the Sopranos comes along. Tell me how that just changed. That's your why life. I got the role because Stephen, they knew I could do it. Right. So they're not going to give you uh, uh, a contract for seven years with a television show if they don't think you could do it. They, you know, like when I was talking to David, he says I never saw Gotti. Years later, he, I said you didn't see Gotti, and you gave me uh, Big Pussy and Sopranos. He says no, I trusted you. I saw what you were doing in the audition. You see, when these guys write these characters. And if I write a character and like maybe something for you, maybe you're, you're maybe I got you as a reporter at Requiem for a Heavyweight. That's what you look like. Or, 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 or a, a, a corrupt fight promoter. When you come in and audition, if you nail it, I'm going to say it's yours. Because what I'm learning about directing is the, the headache is casting. If you give the guy the right guy the, the, the right role, then your homework is done. It's up to them. I just worked again, um, I could talk about it now. Last Monday I worked with Woody Allen again. And Woody developed a play and we're in workshop. And working with Woody again is easy because I know what he wants. 
I have to ask you, what is it like? I'm a huge, huge Woody Allen fan. I'm going back to when I was a kid watching Take the Money and Run with my father, and I'm a huge fan. What is it like working with him? Is 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 he as genius as we think? Woody's quiet. I don't really want to talk too much about Woody because he likes his privacy. He's gone for enough bull, uh, which ruined us in Bullets Over Broadway because that play was... It, it hurt Nicky Cordero from getting his Tony, uh, all that bull that was out there. But Woody, Woody's a genius. He's Scorsese. He's Coppola. I mean, you know, he's Brian De Palma. He's right up there with the with the with the. He's he's you know, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Pulp Fiction. That guy. Tarantino. Yeah, that's what Woody is. He's at that level. So when you get a phone call from your agent and say uh, Woody wants you to work on his new play, what are you gonna say? I'm too busy. <laughs> But is he going to pay me? <laughs> you say, okay, send me the script. And I get the script and I had 58 pages. I said, not on. How am I going to do this? So Sharippa was in it as well. Me, Steve Sharippa, Max Casella. So uh, I call him Sharippa. I said, you got to memorize this? He says, no, you just got to read I said, well, I'm going to memorize. He said, you're crazy. <laughs> so we did the reading last week. And I was almost there. where I didn't have to look down on the script. And then I looked around, and everybody was they had their heads in this script. And I said, maybe Steve was right. Maybe I didn't have to memorize this. So when we read for the investors, I, I, I would look down and come up and deliver the line. But I knew the line. But I didn't want to look like I was trying to overpower the rest of the cast. Because I don't want to say their names, but the kid next to me says, I got the script a month ago, but I just looked at it just now. Okay. <laughs> So how do you memorize? Because you know it, it must be hard. And how do you tell your students how to memorize? Because memorizing, well, I, don't, I don't try to tell my students how to memorize because I have some wonderful students in my scene study class at HB. And they go up there in the first class and they're up book already. And I'm going to say, how the hell they do that? You know, I can't do that. Uh, I have my own process, and uh, um, I'm old school. You know, I just keep working on the script. I mean, I'll, people ring my bell and call me up when I'm working on a play or a movie, and I say, please don't bother me. So I go reclusive and just work, and I work on the character, and I do my research. And um, as far as learning the lines, learn your lines and uh, pay attention to what the other actor is saying to you because you already know the answer. So you don't have to learn your cues. So I want to get back to the Sopranos. When you auditioned for that, you talk about it in the in the live show. But how long of a process till you knew you got the role? Was it a one off? Like did you walk in? You know, no, no, I, 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 it was weird because when Michael talks about his audition, which was a bigger role for Christopher, he flew out to L.A. He had to do screen tests and all that. Sharippo was tells me he was up for um, uh, Skip uh, Louis Lombardi's role, who was the Fed working with me, but he was recommended by George Ann to take Bobby Bacala, even though it wasn't developed yet. So once David hired Sharippa and knew what he had as an actor, actor he was able to develop that, especially all the crimes. Sharippa loves to cry. He just cried in the Woody Allen play. You know, he's a crybaby. I break his job. <laughs> um, you know, um, I, I just lost track. What was I telling you? You're saying Michael had to, had to go to L.A. for you, the audition yeah, process. Yeah, for me, it was like, I it was like, I went in, I did my thing, and I walked out, 
and I didn't do anything different that I did for years ago for Ted Demi or I did for uh, when I auditioned for Seagal one time or anybody or Stallone. This is what I do. I go in in character. I learn. I know my lines, and I try to stay in character even though they start talking to you because they're not looking to hire Vinny. They're looking for somebody to play this guy Sal or Nino or Joe Boop or something, you know? And and I tell my my students, just stay in Don't go in there and say, hey, guess what? I grew up with your brother. They don't want to hear that. They want to see the person walk out of that room. When I auditioned for Woody, it was up against me and Tony Dow. I love Tony. It was me and Tony, neck to neck, all the way to the end. And Tony comes out of the room and he says, don't even bother going in. That's his humor. I said, okay. So I went in, and the next day was Saturday. And Tony calls me 7.30 in the morning. He says, I just got a call from Woody Allen. He says, he's going with the fat guy. I says, they called me yesterday. And they didn't give me the role because I'm the fat guy. Stop. <laughs> so, so, so the Sopranos, do you find out right away you get the role? How long do they tell you you're getting this role? Oh, I know in two weeks. I didn't even have a call back. So you got it, you know, so then you start production. What are you expecting? Yeah, no, then you get the script and you have a table read for the pilot. So we had a table read. That's when I first met Jimmy. I hadn't seen Jimmy and worked with Jimmy, but not worked with him, you know, like maybe I was an extra in one of his movies. Um, and uh, I, that's the first time I met Steven. I was real close with Sirico, Tony, and I was real close with Michael. And I knew Johnny Ventimiglia. And I knew some of the other characters, actors. I knew Lorraine, uh, you know, from Goodfellas. I knew some of these people. But um, when we read the pilot, we realized uh, we had something. And we also realized that HBO was taking a gamble because they were hiring all older Italian-American actors to be in a series. Who's going to watch that? Who's going to watch a series with a bunch of old Italian-American actors? I would. Every, every Sunday night, people were watching it with their macaroni. That's who was going to watch it. So, so the series starts. Now, do you know your plight when you're in the first season? Do you have any idea? Because a lot of times I talk to people and they go, yeah, you know, because you sign when you go through the audition, you sign the seven years. You say I had a seven-year contract, Stephen. So, so they sit there, and so you're doing it, and it's, it's getting... I signed for seven years, and after the first year, they tell me they're going to get rid of me after the second year. So how does that affect you when you work? You're an actor, but... How would it affect you if you're doing a... You're I'd be pissed! A, <laughs> but you know what happened, and I tell David this all the time when I see him. I said, between David and, and, and um, Frank Renzulli and Terry Winter, the writers, I said, you guys... You gave me something that year. You gave me something. You gave me a great role. And that's why when I do go to Providence, I do go to Boston with Michael and Stephen. I was only on the show for two years, but I have a response from the people in the audience that remembered me for those two years, you know? Uh, and sometimes I say to myself, well, would it have better if I didn't get killed and maybe I went into hide and came back and all that, and I lasted seven years, would my... Would my um, my character's you know plight or whatever be as dramatic? No, because they killed me, and nobody thought they was going to get killed. I had the Daily News at my house. I had the New York Post at my house. I had TV Guide at my house, and we were all watching Sopranos that night. 
because they didn't know I was going to get killed. How do you keep it secret? I mean, that'd be so well, hard for me. Loose lips sink ships. My brother-in-law used to say that because I'd go over to the house on Sunday afternoon. I said, you know, I die next week. Loose lips sink ships, Vinny. <laughs> so as the soprano starts becoming popular, how does that change your life? People probably suddenly recognize you. Stephen Van Zandt said half the people who recognize him as Sylvia didn't, re- didn't even know he was in the E Street Band. He said it was amazing. Yeah. He walked out. But for you, because you had a character and you had the name Big Pussy, everyone remembers the name Big Pussy. It's one of the most well, memorable they didn't names. They call me Vinny. They call me Big Pussy. And they didn't call Jimmy James. They called him Tony. And that's what they were doing. They didn't call Christopher uh, 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 Michael. Michael, they call him Christopher. And they were calling us our characters' names. And at first it would bother me. And then I said, well, that's how they know us. You know, you got to be nice to them. So even, you know, even when people send me pictures and signs, you're saying, Vinny Pastor, big pussy. That's how they know you. Unless it's a picture from Gotti or another film I did. But you got people watching, uh, kids watching The Sopranos now, first time ever. It's going to go like that forever. Because my granddaughter is 11 years old. She keeps saying, when can I watch the show? And her mother says, not for a couple of years. Right. <laughs> now, how would you get treated in an Italian restaurant after it was popular? Because I'm, people must have been going crazy. How do I get treated in an Italian restaurant? When, well, after the show was popular, like when you walked in, people probably, did you did you get a lot of comp meals? Well, not just necessarily just an Italian restaurant. Um, uh, I think I know where you're heading. How did I get treated by... You know, like the neighborhood guys and the well, restaurants. And the- I just I just meant in general because, you know. In I'm not- general? Well, if I go into the diner, nobody's going to give me a free cup of coffee. But if I'm at Chaz's restaurant, White Plains, I sure, I'm sure Chaz is going to send me a pizza on the house. You know, uh, same thing. We, we, we eat a lot down in Little Italy. So when we go to Little Italy, Nikki's place, the Mella's place, Il Cortillo. Yeah, they take care of us. I mean, you know, sometimes, you know. Listen, God bless my friend Cha-Cha. We used to call him the mayor of Mulberry Street. He was on the Sopranos. He was one of Frank Vincent's guys. He was in Goodfellas at the scene with Frank Vincent. Cha-Cha said, I don't pay for nothing. He said, I go out. People ask me to go eat in a restaurant. I'm not paying for nothing. I'll leave it to him. I said, well, I can't be like that. But there are all guys like that. So after the Sopranos ends, you're on a popular show. How does that change the trajectory of your career? Are you getting offers? Are you have to still audition? What was going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, I got. I wound up uh, working with Denzel on the Hurricane, great role, Al- Alfred Bello. I wound up working with Favreau on Made. Actually, that was between season one and season two. Um, uh, I wound up working with David uh, 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 Kelly on the Practice. Uh, you know, I wind up getting some some good stuff. Um, you know, uh, as the years went by, you know, and I'm still getting, I got a movie coming out uh, next week, Spinning Gold. It's The Life of Neil Bogart, Casablanca Records. Now, I'm in, I'm in that. That opens uh, next Friday. And now explain your role. What is, is it, is it, what kind of movie is it? Neil Bogart started Casablanca Records. He called himself Bogart because of Humphrey Bogart. And he started Casablanca Records back in the 70s, uh, which featured. Kiss's first release, Donna Summers, Bill Withers. And this is his life story. And my character is, he's a compulsive gambler. And I work in the casino where he gambles and he keeps hitting me for money. And that's all I'm going to tell you. 
Now, through your career, you, you did a sitcom years ago. Yeah. And yeah. I looked it up. It had a really good cast. Tell me about that show. Which one? <coughs> I'm sorry. It was, uh, what was it called? It was called the, um, oh, fuck, I can't find it. It was, I'm freaking out here. I'm fighting a cold. I can't find it. It was. It was. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk, actually. We'll talk about Parrot Kings. Well, sitcoms you usually go on as a guest star. I did Eric Roberts sitcom. I did a few sitcoms. Yes, but as a guest, star, I never had my own sitcom. Well, you got one for me. I have one. Well, you were in Parrot Kings. Me and you, 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 you can play my loan shark. You play my book. I'll play now. Parrot Kings, you were in. Yeah. How do you know? I am. I am deep. My friend Gino Seegers was in that. Who? Gino Seegers was in Parrot Kings. He was? I was the fish. Okay. So how do you get classes as a fish? fish? They put a spell on me and I became a fish. See, he was he was the big he was the big native guy. Gino's like oh, six okay. he's he's got the deepest voice. He's like six foot four. He's an ex rugby player from New Zealand. He came to one of my Super Bowl parties. His girlfriend's like five foot one. My wife's five three. He's standing between them. He looks like a monster, but he was on that show. Yeah, mine was just voiceover work though, because I was a fish. Now, do you like voiceover work? Yeah, I love it. I just did uh, voiceover work for a couple of projects. So how about how, what's that? It's great. You go into the studio, you know, and the money's good. Now, what do you what do you love about theater? Do you still love theater? I mean, that's where you yeah. started. Oh yeah, especially what's happening now, where 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 we're developing stuff, you know. So I get guys that you know studied with me, and now I put them in the play, and I said, "You're not in class no more. Learn the stage, walk the stage. Uh, you feel like crossing cross. Don't let, don't wait for me to say cross." You know, I said when I worked on both up Broadway, Susan never told me to go from point one to point two. Do it. If it don't work, I'll tell you it doesn't work. And that's one of the things. It's it's like an organic process, you know. Like last week, I had Maureen standing in the back of Bobby when Bobby's character was saying, you jilted me years ago, you left me for that sailor. Uh, now, last night we worked on it, they were both downstage uh, so the audience could see them better. And they're just like a little angle talking to each other. And that's the process. You can't do that in film. Because in film, I go like this, okay, set up this scene, Shoot it, boom, thanks, let's move on. But in a play, every night you go in, you can make a little change. But you don't get rich doing theater. Yeah, that's true. Now, you're also in Gravesend, and that's with Louis Lombardi. Yeah, 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 with Willie DeMail, his project. Um, my character is, I'm uh, the consigliere for Chaz Palminteri. Tony Darrow's my underboss. And we just came in on season two. And we will be going back on season three. We start shooting in August. Yeah. Now how about Character. how about Wu Tang? You're in that too. Yeah, I was in Wu Tang for the first season. I played um, the guy who ran the rib joint. Where um, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, the, the 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 main guy from uh, Wu Tang. What's his name? Rizzo. 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 His mother used to work for my character. So Rizzo was there sitting. When we were doing the scenes, he said, you're playing the guy who helped out my mother. Yeah. You know? And it was cool. Yeah, it was cool. Um, we, that, that, was, that was good. That's all good stuff, you know. 
Now, as an actor, when you when you left The Sopranos, was it hard because you're leaving a show, you have a, a crew that's getting closer? I talk to people who've been on series for a long time. When they leave, it's it's sort of a little bit depressing because you're close with the crew, you're close yeah. with the class, and then all of a sudden you're not there. Is that something that, yeah. you know, could well, you, did you... I was bummed out for a while but I got over it because I still working. I didn't look at Sopranos as I was going to be there for eight years. I, as soon as I start, they start saying he's the rat, I said, this guy ain't going to be here for eight years. Unless they want to make it like Disneyland. You know, the rat's going to die or goes into witness protection. It's one or the other. Now, you know? do you do the Soprano well, I comments? thought I was the rat in season one. And that when they killed Joe Bonaluco, uh, his character in the elevator, and because when John Hurt said, pussy's the rat, it's pussy. But they killed, and then they thought they killed the right guy. And then they said, "Where's Pussy?" And I disappeared. Where did I go? Well, in season two, I come back. I said, "I want away with my girlfriend." No, I don't think I want away with my girlfriend. You know, so you got to watch it. Say, where did he really go? You know, I, you know. Now, do you do the cons? I know they have a lot of the, the Soprano cons. Do you do that? Do you like to? Do you like to get out? No, with I your... just kind of restricted uh, everything to the show I got with me and Stephen. Because I don't want to like burn myself out and say, oh, I saw him last week in Comic-Con. And I did the one in Saudi Arabia. That was great. You know, I went over Sopranos and Entourage. That was great. And who was there? Seagal was there. Uh, a lot of people there. Uh, uh, William Shatner was there. I did that. And I did a Soprano Con in New Jersey. But um, a lot of times they say, hey, Vinny, do you want to come in and... Uh, sit there and sign pictures, and, and a lot of times I say, ah, you know what, I'm going to be doing something else a week later. It's the same thing when I book my band, because when I was a club owner, I would say to the band, you playing with me Saturday? I don't want you playing around the area for a month. You know? It burns you out. You're going to hurt your draw. It's the same thing with acting. You know? i got to ask you, when you ran the club, were you a huge music fan? I mean, did you grow up loving music? Is, is, is that yeah, why you always had bands? Yeah, when I was 12 years old, we were singing a cappella. That's how I grew up. You know, a cappella, I had a cappella group. Then even when I was in the Navy, I had a singing group. And then I'd come out, and I went into the club business. And first I was a DJ, and then uh, I opened up my club, um, and I had a DJ booth, but I built a little stage for a folk singer, in two years, the stage was bigger than the bar, you know, with a sound system and everything. Because I wanted to be like the bitter end. I wanted to be like the bottom line down in the city. You know, I was bringing up groups from Jersey and all over. You know, it was a lot of fun. So what do you have besides, yeah, besides the play, besides conversations with Sopranos, besides the Gangster Squad, besides the movie coming up, anything else in the near future you got planned? Yeah, I'm getting on a train on Sunday. I shouldn't tell everybody because I don't want nobody robbing my house. And I'm going to go down and hang out with the East Street Band in Washington. I'm taking my family. And it's costing me a bundle because prices are sky high. But, hey, it only comes around once, Stephen. I'm going to see Springsteen in Philly. I've seen him ten times, and my wife's never seen him. I'm seeing him this summer at the at the stadium. And I said I had to get tickets. I said to my wife, I said, You've never, we're both over 50. I said, you've never seen yeah. Springsteen. You have you know, to go. You see, now what's become with Bruce is it's almost like a religious experience. I've seen him 10 times. I know. Have you, how many times have you seen him? You know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah. My granddaughter, she was 
just before COVID, she's like eight, nine. Uh, mother comes, she says, Bruce is coming to town. Uh, Maya wants to go see him. I said, what? She's eight years old. Her favorite song is Wrecking Ball. I said, she's going to fall asleep. He sits for four hours. They went. I got the tickets. Uh, Stevie's assistant made sure my granddaughter had the earphones on because of the sound. They At that time, they were doing meet and greets, you know, pre-COVID. So uh, she she met Stephen and, and you know, so now that's a second concert was Van Morris. And I said to her the other day, how was Van Morris? She says, eh, not as good as Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> I got I got one final question for you. What what was your best memories of the Sopranos? Probably hold on. Probably when um, the best memory of Sopranos is probably when I got my Sega award. What made it? Because I never thought I was going to be a guy coming up from the a, a rough neighborhood in Rochelle, New York. All of a sudden, I'm in Hollywood. I walked the red carpet with Ozzy and Ruby Davis. And their kids were playing in my club, Guy Davis and Abdul Wali. And I saw Ozzy and Ruby. I said, look at this. this. Ozzy used to come into my club to watch his kids sing. And all of a sudden, I'm walking in back because they honored Ozzy and Ruby that year. And it was ironic. I was walking down the red carpet and backing them. So I said, look at this. I, I think that was the highlight of my, my life, except for my daughter's birth. You know? Well, that's awesome, Vince. I want to thank you. How can people get in touch with you? I know you're on Facebook. How can people find out what's all going on with Vince? I can call my manager. He's calling me right now. He's probably listening to the show. (laughs) Just find you on Facebook, or how can they find you? To do what? So they can follow where you're going to be. I'm on Facebook. Yeah, I'm on Facebook, social media, Twitter, and all that. But I'm not going to give out my email. Oh, no, I know that. I wouldn't ask you for that. What, are you crazy? I'm not going to give you... I'm not going to give that out. So people... Give it to you. Have it. You have it anyway. I'm not going to give it out though. I have it. It's anyway. People, go check out Vincent. Go follow him on social media. Go to his IMDb. Go look at all his shows. Go back and watch his Sopranos. Go see him when he's in town. Go see the Gangster Squad. Uh, listen to my show. You can find over 950 episodes on my uh, on my website, CooperTalk.net. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guest. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins, and I'll talk to you guys next time.